Thank you, choir. It's great to see all of you here this morning. I want to ask you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, as we continue our series this month entitled Joy to the World. You know, Trevin Wax wrote a book recently that I've been reading. It's entitled uh, The Thrill of Orthodoxy. And in this book, he writes this, that the biggest challenge facing today's church is not the new errors that start to win, but that old truths no longer wow. I think probably we can acknowledge that sometimes, particularly in this Christmas season, the old truth of the gospel message of Christmas sometimes fails to wow. You know, I uh, was reading an article recently about some of the things that pastors struggle with the most this particular time of year. And one of the things at the top of the list was preaching the Christmas message. And the reason that is, is because as a pastor, you preach the Christmas message so much, right? Every single year and year after year after year, sometimes this old truth fails to wow. And sometimes you just have a difficult time being able to express the incredible message of the gospel in a fresh way, as if it needs to be freshening up anyway, right? But here's what I want you to see this morning, and that is that the wonder of Christmas actually comes from seeing the big picture of God's great plan of redemption. So today, as we look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56, we're going to hopefully be able to see a bigger picture of what's happening in this Christmas message. So with your Bibles open, will you please stand as we read the Word of God together? Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Luke records, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. You may be seated. And so here in today's passage, I want you to see several different things that will help you to understand the true wonder of what's happening here. First of all, I want you to see God's grace in the giving of the message of Christmas. In fact, note the precision of the way this message was sent. Back in verse 26, now in the sixth month, that would be the sixth month after the announcement of how Zacharias and Elizabeth were going to be having a child. The angel Gabriel was sent by God. Now, the specifics of the name of the angel Gabriel was actually the one who was sent to Zacharias when he was in the temple. Even going further back, Gabriel appears in the Old Testament as Gabriel appears to Daniel and shares with Daniel how God is at work in the world. But now this very same angel who appeared to Daniel and had recently appeared to Zacharias now appears to Mary. Sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, very specific, the location. One interesting thing about Nazareth is Nazareth was seen as a relatively insignificant place. In fact, if you remember in John's gospel in chapter 1, as some of the first people are following Jesus, Philip went to Nathanael and said, come and see the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And you remember uh, Nathanael's response was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But God was very specific, wasn't he? Specific in the time, specific in the one he sent, specific in the place, and specific in the one to whom the message was to go. In verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Of all the people in the world, this wasn't a random choice, was it? The angel was specifically sent to Mary. And we see some specifics about her that were very important. One is that she was a virgin betrothed to a man. Now, betrothed means that she wasn't quite yet married, but it's stronger than the word we use for engagement. For if Joseph would have passed away, Mary would have been considered a widow. But being betrothed, they were not married. The Mary... Marriage had not been consummated. She was still a virgin. So it was impossible for her to have a child here, right? 
But also we learn that Joseph was of the house of David, which is significant because the Old Testament spoke about how the Messiah would come from the line of David. So when you look at those two verses, you're seeing God's grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. And so there's no question in these two verses that God is at work in the world and he is at work very specifically. But secondly, I want you to see God's grace in the message and in the power to fulfill it. So we continue in verse 28. The angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. Now the word favored in the original language means to be graced upon. So the emphasis is on God who is showing his grace, not on Mary. Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. And then in verse 29, she's troubled at his saying, so would you be, right? I mean, she's, she doesn't know what to do with this. And considered what manner of greeting this was, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor, you have found grace with God, emphasis on God, not Mary. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now, you may wonder why in the last passage we looked at, when Zacharias questioned God, he was punished by God with being mute. But when Mary asks a question of God, he doesn't punish her. And the answer seems to be in the heart with which the question was asked. Zacharias's question was asked out of doubt. Mary's question is asked out of curiosity. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Oftentimes, during the Christmas season, our focus is all on the nativity. And listen, I mean, there's there's point to that, rightly so. But it's not the characters in the nativity. It's not Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds. But the focus is on God. We have to see the bigger picture here. When you think about these verses, Mary really is doing nothing, is she? She is a recipient of God's grace. And God is telling her that she is going to be great with child, but it's going to be a child not of her doing. The Holy Spirit is going to provide this child in her. And notice also that there is a plan for this child that is also not of her doing. And it's a plan that God has been working out for many, many years. 
Interestingly, when he says that he's going to be the son of God, if you're a reader of the Old Testament, you know that Israel was considered the son of God. In fact, the firstborn son of God. That's one of the things we saw in our study of the book of Hosea. But you remember that Israel rebelled against God, was disobedient, and did not do what God had called Israel to do. But now Jesus is coming as the son of God who will do what Israel was unable to do, the perfect son of God. And also, you notice, son of the highest, and the Lord God, verse 32, will give him the throne of his father David. Again, this goes back to the Old Testament, and the covenant that God made with David, when remember, David wanted to build a house for God, but God said, you're not going to build me a house, I'm going to build a house or a dynasty through you. And one will come from you who will reign on the throne, and his reign will never have an end. So we see that God, has, who has always been at work, is at work here. All of this is of God. And then you note that Mary doesn't even name the baby. She's given a child that she doesn't get to name. He says there in verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, you and I know that when the angel appeared before uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, before Joseph, we see that recorded in the book of Matthew, that the angel goes on to say, for he will save his people from their sins. And so see the bigger picture, right? The angel is specifically sent to a specific place with a very specific message to a specific person. And God is the one who is going to do all of these things that this message is about. This is going to be God's child. God has a plan for this child. God is the one who names this child. God is the one who has been at work from eternity past fulfilling this plan of redemption. Mary is a recipient of God's grace. But as we talk about God being at work, the third thing that I want you to see is I want you to see God's grace in the confirmation from Elizabeth. I love that there in verse 36. He says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, again, you talk about specificity of the person who receives the message. Just so happened her relative had received one about six months ago. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Everybody would have thought that was impossible. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary, of course, gives her uh, faith, her trust. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her in verse 39. Mary arose in those days, went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, Why did she say that? Verse 41, 
she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is God at work, even in what Elizabeth is saying. Verse 43, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. How did Elizabeth know all that? She didn't get an email from Mary's mama saying, hey, by the way, your relative is great with child of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't put on the local news. She didn't get a text message. Mary has come to see her, and there is not a record of a word that Mary says to Elizabeth in those verses. But Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, God working in her, begins to offer praise at God and what he is doing in providing a savior for her and for the people and how this baby is going to come through Mary. Now, you know, what? one of the things I like to do is when I read a passage of scripture is to try to put myself in the shoes of the individual that I'm reading about. And honestly, I have a really hard time putting myself in Mary's shoes, right? I mean, this, this is a really unique one. But I think if I'm Mary, okay, man, I think I'm glad to get some kind of confirmation about what I've heard, right? And listen, to be able to go to my relative Elizabeth's house and know that all of her life she wanted to have a child and never was able to have one. And now in her old age, she also is great with child. That would be really, really comforting to me. But then also to hear those words that Elizabeth is sharing that confirm everything that the angel had just recently said to me. That would be really important for me to be able to hear those words and it would be important to you as well. And this is why we have to take that step back from the nativity, right? Because the wonder is not just in the sweetness of the story. But the wonder is in how God is at work. And how God is completing what he had started so many years ago. Not to mention the fact that God who is holy, and the one whom we had sinned against has come to rescue us. God's love is on display as clear as an LED billboard in a dark night sky. And then finally, as we wrap up, and we look at this beautiful ending of this passage, oftentimes called Mary's Magnificat. I want you to see the source of Mary's true joy. It's not in the fact that she's becoming a mother. And it's not in the fact that henceforth all people will call her blessed. But Mary's joy is in God's grace in the gift of Jesus. Look at her praise one more time. 
Verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I'm not just singing a hymn that I have sung before. This is coming from deep within me. He has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. So me, a young girl, a virgin, in an insignificant place like Nazareth, God has taken my lowly life and he is working in me. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. It's not just for me, but his mercy is for all who fear him. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. So Mary is showing that she knows who God is. She knows how he has been at work throughout history. And she ties it together in these last couple verses. Verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Mary may have been young, and she may have been from a very insignificant place But Mary had a lot of spiritual wisdom. And Mary has connected the dots, hasn't she? Mary sees the bigger picture. She knows without question that God has been very specific in the messenger and the way that the message was sent and to the location the message was sent. She knows that God is behind all of this. She sees God's hand in the very message and how God is the one who's bringing the child and God is the one who has a plan for the child and God is the one who has the right to name the child even though she's going to carry him for nine months. It's God's child, not hers. She recognizes that. But she also recognizes how God has been at work from eternity past. That this goes all the way back to Genesis 11 and 12. And the promise that God had made to their forefather Abraham thousands of years ago. That God is showing himself faithful and her praise is on the faithfulness of God. How God has been gracious. She knows that she doesn't deserve this, and Joseph doesn't deserve this, and Israel doesn't deserve this, but God has been gracious, and God is faithful, and God is bringing salvation through the Messiah. And she gets to have a part in that. It's a shame that we come to the Christmas season and kind of old hat for us, isn't it? I mean, we hear the nativity passage in Luke chapter 2, or we hear the songs of the Christmas season, and we see the nativities that people place in their front yards, and it's nice. And it does kind of make us feel good because, you know, Unless you're Ebenezer Scrooge, we all like Christmas. 
But you've heard the Christmas message a million times, hadn't it? And sometimes it kind of loses its wonder. But maybe the problem has been that we hadn't seen the big picture of the message. We have focused so much more on details surrounding the nativity that we have missed the grace of the divinity. God is at work. God so loves the world. God is faithful to his promises, even, by the way, when his people have not been. And God, in grace, has provided a rescue for us. The Christmas story is not a story about Mary and Joseph and wise men and shepherds. It is a story about God. A God who loves you more than you've ever really taken the time to try to understand. But he does. Have you experienced God's grace in your life? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ who alone can save? You see, the truth of the matter is that though God created every one of us with a purpose to worship Him and to walk with Him, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death, separation from Him. We don't deserve what the Christmas message is talking about. We deserve to be separated. We deserve for God to ignore us. We deserve to be punished, to experience the wrath of God because he is a holy God and we have lived very unholy lives. But God loves you so much that he was working very specifically throughout all of history to bring about his plan of redemption for you. God came to rescue you and to bring you eternal life. The Bible says to receive that eternal life which comes only through Jesus. We must turn from our sins and turn from trying to make things happen on our own and be like Mary who just said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Will you do that today? Let's pray. Father, we have heard a song about your great love. And we have read the scripture that tells us about your great love. I pray, O oh God, that our eyes have been opened to be able to see the truth. To see the bigger picture and that you help us once again to be filled with wonder at Christmas. Father, I 
Pray that you will bring salvation in this place. Pray that you will bring revival in our hearts. Pray that you will call out laborers to your harvest to share the incredible message of joy that comes from seeing and experiencing your grace for ourselves. As we come to this time of response, guide us, O Lord, and grant us the faith to follow in the decision you're leading us to make. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.